So, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how we have Christ in us, and that's our hope of glory. And then last week, we put our focus on setting our hearts and our minds on the things above. Not the temporary things of this world, but the eternal things. And that leads us to, uh, we're still in Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn there and read with me. That's where we're going to be all morning is in these uh, few verses. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So I told you we were getting into the part of the, the book, the epistle, of, of what our duty is. You know, we talked about doctrine, and now it's what our duty is. <clears throat> and I told you in the past that I always liked to jump ahead to this duty part when I was younger, because I always wanted to know what to do. What should I do? The problem with doing that is, without the doctrine, without the truth, of what Jesus has to tell me, there's no way I can do this. Oh yeah, put off this stuff. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Yeah, just, just put that off. There, okay, next. Um, We've gotten the wrong thing there. He's tricking me. Sexual, Im- sexual immorality, impurity, lust I did it again well you you do it this is better you have that one keep going yep 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 what's next well that's awesome Yeah, I guess we're done. I have wonderful slides for you this morning. You would love them. You'll just have to take my word for it. The first part it said to to do was to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And for those of us who've been coming to church for a while and, and who have heard this kind of stuff before, we say, yes, I'm putting that to death. My earthly nature is done. I am done with these things. I don't want it anymore. And I think that's exactly where we need to be. (laughs) But to get from where we are to where we need to be is going to be hard work. And most of us don't want to do that hard work. In fact, when I talk about sexual immorality, most of you are going to not want me to do that. And be much more comfortable if I talked about something else. 
But um, sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Do you know 64% of men view pornography at least once a month? 28% of women. Did you know that on the internet, porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined? That 35% of all internet downloads are porn-related? Did you know that people who admit to having extramarital affairs were over 300% more likely to admit consuming porn than those who had not had an affair? Do you know that everyone in this room struggles with lust? So it's so easy as we talk about these things to talk about those people, <clears throat> those 65%, those 28%, those 40-some percent that have an affair. And that's all on my slide. I had beautiful stats. These are just the ones I put down here. Wish I'd have written them all down. This world is consumed with lust, sexual immorality, impurity. <clears throat> and it's interesting, when I look at these stats, and I was trying to say, well, what's the difference? For those who follow Jesus, what are the numbers compared with the world? And you know what the answer is? The same. The same. Couples who have extramarital affairs, it's the same if you're a Christian or non-Christian. It's the same. Porn use, it's the same. And what I want you to consider, before we consider putting these things to death, we have to come to accept some really hard, cold facts about ourselves. That you lust. You want to get gross for a little while? Your mother and father lusted. Your children lust. We come to church and act like this stuff never happens because we're nice, polite society and don't talk about things that are rude or unseemly. Do you think that's helped? Because I don't think it's helped based on the statistics. Based on the facts that you people in church, 65% of you men here today are probably viewing porn once a month or more. I think what we've been doing hasn't been working. I suggest we try something different. And here's what I suggest we try. Hello, my name's Tony, and I lust. Don't you? Oh, no, not me. I go to church. Right. Right. Um... Do you know the role sexual assault plays in this country and around the world? Do you know how many people in this room have been sexually assaulted? 
We don't talk about it because we're polite. But sexual assault. Let me ask you this. You who know what porn is. How did you come to know that? Did you quote discover it? Or were you introduced to porn? How did you first find porn? Chances are, a peer showed you porn. But greater chances are, someone who was not a peer, someone who was in an authority position older than you, showed you porn. Now, I don't know your story. And, and maybe we are the great exception to the rules. And man, I hope so. But when an older person shows you porn, that's at the very least a mild form of sexual assault. At the very least. And it only gets worse from there. <clears throat> what happens after someone introduces you to porn? It doesn't stop there. It just gets worse. And now that you two have this secret, that's the beginning of a relationship meant to manipulate you, to satisfy someone else's desires. So as mature adults, one of the things that we must be involved in is self-assessment of who we are and what our story has been. And when we talk about lust, it covers all of us. Maybe you've been spared the indignity of porn. Hallelujah. Maybe you have not been in an extramarital affair, and that is awesome. But let me ask you about your fantasies and what goes through your head there. It said in Colossians chapter 3 that we used to walk in these. And I want to ask you, is that true? Sexual immorality, impurity, and lust, is that something you used to walk in? Or in fact, are you continually walking in that? What's your answer to that? Moving on, the next were evil desires, greed, and idolatry. Um, Evil desires. I don't know if you all know this, but I do work at the prison in Lansing. I go down there and mentor men and and sometime involved in other uh, programs and things they do. At a recent one I was at, I had a group, a small group that I was leading, and I asked them, how many of you came from strong Christian homes? And eight of the ten men in Lansing State Prison came from strong Christian homes. So do you think we do not struggle with evil desires, greed, and idolatry? Yeah, we do. Um, Evil desires. Do you know that God has given you desires? He has placed his desires in your heart. What makes that 
become an evil desire. It's something that God has given and has initiated in us, but then we look to satisfy it on our own, through our own methods and schemes. Welcome to evil desires, right? God has given us the desire to love one another and to belong and to be successful and to work hard and to accomplish things. And we take that and twist it into something sick and evil. And let me ask you again, is that your former way of life? Or is that still the way you live? With greed, wanting more, never satisfied, pursuing things, pursuing things and money more than God. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. Jesus said you cannot serve this and God. You either serve God or you serve this. You can't do both. And I'm asking you to do some hard work this morning of looking inside. Are these the former way or are these the current way? Then we were to rid ourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. The first category of things we talked about all were basically in the lust category. Remember what Jesus said about lust in the Sermon on the Mount? If you lust after someone in your mind, you've already committed adultery. And the next thing he said, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. Here we are talking about anger. And as difficult as it is for us Christians to admit that we lust, it's ten times harder for us to admit that we have anger. Because we know as Christians that we are to love. Yet, how many people here have an earthly nature, quote, a sinful nature, a flesh? All of us. What does that bring into our lives? It brings lust and it brings anger. What are the, re- what are the results of anger? Rage and malice and slander and filthy talk. This is all grouped about how we respond and treat and think and feel towards other people. Right? Oh, she makes me so mad. I'm burning. That's anger. Right? A lot of us have this slow boil type of anger. It's called bitterness. That something's been wrong for a long time. Unresolved anger leads to bitterness. Now, I would just ask you to look around at our society and tell me what you see about anger. The crazy political people, they're so angry right now that they're disrupting other people's meals at public restaurants, right? They walk up to each other on the opposing side and say mean, hateful things to each other. But it's not just them. It's us. Right? As we consider other people and what they've done to us, I didn't deserve that. That wasn't right for them to do that. And it starts, right? 
Especially when we've just been talking about lust, sexual immorality, sexual assault, and all those things. When you start to think about your sexual story, I almost guarantee something's going to pop up in you. And you know what that's going to be? Anger. And you won't know to name it that necessarily. But we think that people who struggle with sexual immorality just have a lust problem. And they do have a lust problem. But they also have an anger problem. You have an anger problem. Which is why Jesus, or Paul in this letter says that we should put this to death and get rid of this. Why? Because these things cause God's wrath. Right? Lust and anger are not the way we're supposed to live. That's not how we're supposed to be. We have to take that and put it off. But if we live in denial and try to pretend that we don't have that, we're just deceiving ourselves. So here's the gut punch of Colossians chapter 3. After we are told to get rid of, to put to death sexual immorality, evil desires, lust, and all of those things, and to get rid of rage and anger and malice and slander, you know what the next verse says? Look it up. Do not lie to each other. Oh, wait a minute. Don't lie to each other. Have you been sexually assaulted? Don't lie to me. Do you struggle with sexual immorality? Don't you lie to me. Do you have anger and rage and malice and slander? Don't lie to me. We think because we're Christians, we have to deny that. Let me ask you about your family. I know I'm meddling now. But if I ask you about what it was like growing up in your family and what role you played in your family, you will tell me about the great Thanksgiving dinners you had and the fun you had playing in Grandpa's barn and the way you went walking through the woods or climbing mountains or something like that. You will tell me the best of the best that you can possibly tell me to honor your family. But do you know that you can't honor your family without being honest? Now, I'm not telling them to make this public information. I'm talking internally, okay? If you can't be honest about what Grandpa did, or Uncle Milton, or Susie, or my cousin Steve, or whoever it is, if you can't be honest with yourself about what your family did to you, Remember a moment ago I was talking about how your mom and dad had lust and anger? Guess who they took it out on? Their children. And I know everybody here had perfect parents. I know that. You had perfect parents who dealt with lust and anger. Because they were human. And they wounded you in ways 
that impact the way you have lust and anger now. And to run away from this without being honest about what makes you so mad? Why are you so angry? If you can't honestly look and make an assessment of what makes you so angry, you'll never be able to get rid of it and put it to death. You can't run from these things. That's not how you put them to death. By ignoring them. By deceiving yourself to think that you do not have lust and anger. As a follower of Jesus Christ, are you supposed to live from your lust and anger? No, of course not. We have to put them to death and get rid of them. But we don't do that by acting like they're not there. So Jesus, open our eyes to our own lust and anger. That we would not lie to each other or to ourselves about our own stories. Um, so what do we do here we've come to this point of saying oh no I have lust and anger oh no lust and anger brings out God's wrath oh no what will I do what are we going to do we think if we are open and honest with God about these things, that God will bring his wrath upon us, and that is just not true. God does not reject us because of what we've done. We think that, well, at least let me put a new coat of paint on the old barn so God won't know what bad shape I'm in. And I'm telling you, that activity is foolish at best. And a complete waste of time. Why is it so hard to be honest with ourselves and honest with God? So, take off your old self with its practices. Back in Colossians chapter 3, take off your old self with its practices. Here it is. My lust and my anger. This is it. And I don't want that anymore. I know, for those of you who have dealt with your lust and anger before, you don't want to do it again. I know, we get tired of it. Let me run away anything but dealing with that again. I'm sick of that. I know. We have to take it off. You can't take it off by ignoring it. You take it off by facing it. Now, this putting to death and ridding ourselves is not something that we can do on our own. I would remind you of last week, the week before, I was talking about the big heavy equipment with little joystick knobs that are hydraulically operated. And with a little move of the wrist, the bucket goes up and down or the claw digs and pulls back. Just a little bit, movement of the wrist, and the power of the machine kicks in. It's the same way here. I do a little bit of movement. Oh God, I don't want that anymore. 
and the death of Jesus Christ comes to me. My old self is being put to death. I can't accomplish this on my own. This is not a task I'm giving you to figure out how to stop lusting or stop hating. You can't on your own. This is only possible because of Jesus. Let me tell you some things that don't work, ways that you cannot take off. You cannot take stuff off by denying you have it on. You can't live in denial about your lust and your anger and think that you're going to be able to put them to death. On the other hand, you can also not pour yourself into getting rid of lust and anger so much, working so hard, striving to not lust or anger, that you can put them off. Hating the consequences of your lust and anger. While it's a good thing and it's normal and natural, it also doesn't help in putting off these old things. Honest confession to God. Repentance. This is what I've done and this is why I've done it. Most of us, myself included, hate doing that kind of work. It's brutal work to do. Nobody wants to step into that because it hurts and it's ugly. It exposes all kinds of things in us. The only way to put these things to death is to participate in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Only by the power of Jesus can these things be removed. You are not condemned to a life of lust and anger. Jesus has something better for you. We've got to turn and face, look into, admit, understand... Putting these things to death. So, listen to this. God knows everything about you. The things that you've done in secret, God knows. The things that you work overtime to hide and deny and to cover, He knows. He knows it all. You cannot hide one thing, one thought, one motive, one emotion, lust or anger. You can't hide it from God. Even if you can hide it from us, you can't hide it from God. Now, He knows everything. And he loves you. He knows everything you've ever done, every thought, everything. And he likes you. He knows every thought you've ever had. Everything you've ever involved yourself into with sexual immorality, lust and anger and rage and malice. He knows it all. And he's never been ashamed of you. He knows it all. He knows that it's still going on today. He knows. 
He knows. Now, first, I just want you to understand what that means to you. You don't have to keep hiding. You don't have to keep pretending. You don't have to keep running. He knows. You know, in, in our earthly thing, when we are committing some crime and no one knows, there's a great pressure on us to keep hiding. But once the criminal has been caught, they almost always feel relief. It's the same way with us and God. You can have that relief today. God knows. <clears throat> you don't have to keep pretending. You don't have to keep hiding. He knows. Now here's the best part. God wants to come to you in the pit of your lust and your anger and meet you there. You don't have to get out of the pit to find God. God comes into the pit to meet you. It is in the pit that God gives you His forgiveness. It is in the pit that God lavishes His grace and mercy and forgiveness upon you. In the pit. He doesn't take us out of the pit to do that. He meets us in the pit. And for me, that absolutely blows me away. <laughs> the thought that I somehow am going to clean myself up enough that God's going to enjoy my company is just a lie. I'm not able to. God meets me in the pit and begins the restoration in the pit. And right in the pit, there's God, and He begins to put that stuff to death and to remove it from me. Right there. And right there in the pit, He begins to put the new self on me. Right? The new self, which is being renewed in the image of its Creator. And the power of Christ does the restorative work in us and starts to change who we are. My friends, all those stats and numbers about lust and anger breaks my heart. But the thing that breaks my heart the most is it's the same for Christian and non-Christian. And you know what that tells me? The enemy has come and stolen what Christ intended to do. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. You are not doomed to a life of lust and anger. There is a way out. It is Jesus Christ. We don't do it by running away from our lust and anger. <clears throat> Turn around and look at it. By the way, if you are caught, trapped with unwanted sexual behavior, 
the, world, the current church methodology to deal with unwanted sexual behavior is to have some kind of an accountability group and to put software on your computer that won't download porn. Hallelujah, if that works for anybody at all, praise God. But it would only be by the grace of God that that would work for anybody. An accountability group does not change your heart. I would instead encourage you to meet with someone and talk to them about your lust and your anger. The things that arouse you are not random. They come from your story. I can give you more details in a more intimate setting than I want to do here this morning. But if you struggle with unwanted sexual behavior, it's time to face your lust and your anger and explore those with God. And restoration can come. We do not run from it or pretend it is no longer there. We as a body of believers will not continue to lie to each other about these things and pretend. Instead, we will be open and honest. And we give Jesus permission to do his work. Now, the good news is in the last verse of this was doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter your background. Your ethnic doesn't matter. Your social level doesn't matter. Who you are, where you're from, none of that makes any difference because Christ is in us and Christ is all. Christ is all and Christ is in us. Remember that verse? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Oh, this is a real hope. This is not something we're just wishful thinking. We can put to death our lust and our anger. But in full honesty, as long as we live in this body, lust and anger are there. We will continue to put them to death. We can put on Christ being made new from the inside out in the image of our creator. Jesus is doing the work to make us more and more like him so that we are no longer slaves to lust and anger. Oh, that's the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wish that up here at the front I had just a bottle of pills that you could take that would make all this go away. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to work through these things, healing each part and each place in your heart until your broken hearts have been put back together and you know, are no longer slaves, but have been set free. And that's the offer of the kingdom of heaven today. The glory of Jesus Christ. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Jesus, um, oh Jesus, we need you. Jesus, I, I give you permission to show me my lust and my anger. I give you permission to talk to me about lust and anger, my own. 
Jesus, I don't want to live in lust and anger anymore. I want to live with you. I want your love to cover all things. Jesus, wanting the lust and anger to go away isn't working. I need more. I need you, Jesus. So I give you permission to do the restorative work however you see fit and however fast you're able to do it. Forgive me for choosing to live in my lust and anger instead of living in you, Jesus. I confess it. And I don't want to live that way any longer. I want your life and your freedom. So Jesus, let's, let's get into this together. Let's dig in and root out all of these things from my heart by the power of your name. Amen. Why don't you stand with us? Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, I have some computer difficulties over here. <laughs> We're getting it unfrozen. It's okay. children, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 16, 17. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Join us with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Go and have a great week.
And remember, Jesus Christ loves you and forgives you.